Okay, everyone. Good evening. Thanks for joining. Today's class is available for anybody that would like to dedicate it. Um, hopefully, it's going to turn out to be a pretty awesome class. So you'll have an awesome class to dedicate after the class. Bezrat Hashem. So here we are. Um, this week, we begin a new book of the Torah. And the book of the Torah is the book of Leviticus, the book of Ayikra. And immediately, we are immediately... Um, we encounter a magnificent, magnificent lesson right at the beginning. The verse begins with Vayikra al Moshe, Hashem calls to Moshe. Moshe is now, the tabernacle has been built, established, the end of last week's Torah portion, the Mishkan, that has been the purpose of all of creation. Hashem came down to dwell in the Mishkan. And Moshe had to stay outside because the dwelling of God was so intense that Moshe could not come. The cloud of Hashem was so intense, Moshe couldn't come. And then God calls Moshe in. God calls Moshe in. And from that becomes the headquarters, uh, the tab- tabernacle, the, 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 the temple, uh, becomes the headquarters now from, for all divine communication. Because God is nowhere in heaven. God has a place on earth. Now the word Vayikra, when you look at the word, you immediately notice um, a change in the word that has a little letter. All the letters in the Torah are of the fonts, as of a middle, you know, an average size. But we do find from time to time different size letters. So the letters of the Torah come in three sizes. Large letters, average letters, and small letters. Now, the small letters, we have them at different places. Um, one of them that stands out is right over here, the first word of the book of Ayikra, ends with a little aleph. So the last letter would be an aleph, but it's a small aleph. Now, um, an example of a large letter in the Torah, one of them is in the Shema. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. So the Dalit of the word Echad is a large letter. But another one of the large letters in Scripture is also an aleph. And that is in the book of Chronicles. And over there, too, it's in the first word. Not only the first word, but the first word of the book of Chronicles. Divrei Hayamim, which is one of the books of the Tanakh. I think it's the last one of the Ksuvim, of the writings. The first letter, the book of Chronicles is to do like kind of a, 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 a book of history, telling us all the, all the events and people and so on and so forth from creation until a certain time. And the first one, the first, the first word begins with a big aleph. It's the first letter. What is the word? The word is Adam. So the Adam, the aleph of Adam has a large aleph. And the aleph of Ayikra, over here in the beginning of the work of, of, of the book of Leviticus, is a small aleph. A big aleph and a small aleph. Now an aleph is the image of a human. Kind of. You can see the the aleph has two hands and two feet. Right? The aleph is a line like this, thing coming out on top. To, so you got kind of, the, and the first letter of the word Adam is aleph, like in the word Adam in the beginning of Chronicles. So what we have over here is, in the big aleph we have a big human, and in the small aleph, we have a small human. And that is really the balance of life. Through life, 
exhibiting two alphs. We have to kind of be caught to live a healthy uh, and and um, effective and successful spiritual life, which will materialize afterwards into a healthy, good, happy material life as well, because the spiritual and the material go together. One has to learn the balancing act of these two alephs, the large aleph and the little aleph, the big human and the small human. We need to be big and small at the same time. And when we learn the secret of being big and small at the same time, then we brought about the ultimate rectification. It's the convergence of these two alephs, the little aleph of the word Vayikra and the big aleph of the word of, of, of the word Adam is really the two, the two energies or the two polars in our life. And we have to hang out right in the middle. And when we, when, and, um, when we have the proper synthesis of these two alephs, uh, we're, we're doing well. A God forbid, a lack of either the big aleph or the small aleph spells utter devastation. Can be very, 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 very dangerous and very detrimental to life. So here we have this amazing lesson of keeping the two alephs in perspective. The big aleph and the small. Why these two alephs? What do they represent? What is the big human and the small how does it go together? What's this all about? So there's a story uh, brought in Chabad by the previous Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, who relates how his great-grandfather, the third Chabad Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek, Rabbi Nachem Mendel, the third Rebbe of Lubavitch, was taken into the first time to go to Cheder, to go to school. Now, Everybody knows that when children start learning Chumash at their very young age, the first Chumash that it's the custom amongst the Jewish people, the first Chumash to learn with them, the first uh, verses of scripture we learn is not Genesis. It's not about creation. And it's not uh, Exodus, but it's the, it's the, it's the Pasuk of Vayikra in Leviticus. All children start their first lesson in Torah, or that's the custom, with Vayikra al Moshe, God called out to Moshe. That's the first lesson. Sages, we once gave a class on it. The sages say, let the pure come and study about the pure. Sacrifices, the work, the, the work in the temple had to be done with enormous purity. And you know, as we move on in life, we're not always so pure, but little children are pure. So God says, let the pure come and occupy themselves with, this, with the pure. And that is why we begin with pure little children when they start learning their first letters of Chumash. They begin, they, they don't continue with Leviticus because it's complicated laws. It's not easy Chumash. They start learning other Chumash. But you be start with them with this verse, So when the Tzemach Tzedek was a little boy who was an orphan because his mother passed away. His mother passed away because she gave her life up for, the, for her father. There was a decree on the Alter Rebbe of Shir Zalman of Liadi, founder of Chabad Hasidism, that there was a heavenly decree that he should die, God forbid, he should pass away. And um, his mother, um, the, his daughter, was the mother of the Tzemach Tzedek. She was a young woman, but she found out about it. It was right before Rosh Hashanah. It's an amazing story. Her name was Devorah Leah. And she came and she told her father, and she, she, she made a bazdin. She, she took together three great rabbis from the Hasidim of the Alter Rebbe, made a based in, and basically 
in front of the court, which has incredible power, she declared that she's substituting her father. And Rosh Hashanah by night, when her father came out and wanted to wish her a good year, she made her father stop. Father was the Rebbe. Her father would tell her she should have a good year. That would be a blessing. She told her father, quiet. And she stopped her father and she wished him a good year. And lo and behold, the next day she fell ill and not didn't take two days on Sam Gedalia, the fast right after she already passed away. But she had asked her father, knowing that she had just sacrificed her life for her father's her father to live so that he can continue developing the Hasidic teachings. An enormous self-sacrifice. She asked her father one thing she's asking in return, that her father should take care of her little baby and should educate him, oversee his education. So the Alter Rebbe took this little boy, even though he was a Rebbe with thousands of Hasidim and he had so much on his plate, he personally took upon himself the, 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 um, the responsibility of educating the boy. So when it was came time to take the little boy to Cheder, the Alter Rebbe himself took him to Cheder, meaning took him to his first Torah lesson, to the teacher. And the Alter Rebbe instructed the teacher to start teaching him what we learned by Yikrael Moshe. And the little boy, being a very, very bright boy, looked in the Chumash, looked in the words, and noticed immediately, and that's what he was doing all his life, was noticing the nuances of Torah. But when he was already a little boy, he noticed a little Aleph. And he was also smart that he didn't ask his Torah teacher the question. He asked his grandfather the question. So he was a little boy, but he already knew that in a question like this, he's going to answer. He wants his grandfather's answer, not just his personal teacher, which was a mini teacher. He wanted the grand rabbi to give him the answer of why the, the Aleph in the word Vayikra is a small Aleph, not a big Aleph. And the Alter Rebbe closed his eyes. Now, and he went into a deep meditation for a while. So you imagine that he was going to come back with a very deep answer. Now, simply the answer the Alter Rebbe gave is a very simple answer. That is stated already by many, many, many of the rabbis. Earlier, before the Alter Rebbe. In which the Alter Rebbe of Shneir Zalman was fluent in their teachings. And it's a simple answer. The answer is that Moshe was very uncomfortable that he was getting attention. When God called to Moshe, imagine, God is over here. See, till now God speaks to Moshe more in private. But over here, it's like all the Jews, everybody's there. Everybody knows that God is dwelling in the temple. God himself. And out of all people, God calls out, Moshe, come in. Moshe didn't know where to bury himself. He was so ashamed and so embarrassed with the intention, with the attention given to him that he felt very uncomfortable. And uh, because of his extreme humility, he had pretty awesome resume already to show. He took the Jews out of Egypt. He, he split the sea. He was the one who stood there and brought the tablets down. He was the one who stood on Sinai and God gave the Torah through him. But at, even at even so, even though this is already quite far into his leadership and, and royal state and, and exalted state, he still felt so uncomfortable that God called him, especially by calling his name publicly and giving him the attention, he felt so uncomfortable. And that's why the Torah makes the Aleph small to indicate how Moshe did not, wasn't proud of the, didn't feel pride that God was calling him, felt tiny and small and insignificant and didn't know where to run when Hashem called him. 
So it's the humility of Moshe. It actually, according to some Mepharshim, the Rosh, the Rosh there's a, is, a, is a Pirish from one of the Rishonim, Rabbeinu Asher, he says that he brings even the idea that Moshe asked God, please don't embarrass me. And God says, in honor of Moshe, I'll, 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 I'll shrink it so people don't, we'll, we'll make an indication of how uncomfortable you were with me giving you this attention. So this is a sign and a symbol of the, of the humility of Moshe. And so it is stated by many, many of the rabbis of the commentators that the small olive is due to Moshe being the humble person. As the sages tell us that Moshe was the most humble person, not the sages, the verse, the Pasuk scripture tells us, the Pasuk tells us specifically in Parshish Baloscha and Numbers, and uh, the third ch- uh, the Torah reading in Numbers and Baloscha, that there was na- that uh, Moshe was the most humble person ever to live on the, on the, on the planet. So due to Moshe's humility, it's a small out. Now, had the Alter Rebbe then wanted to give this answer, had the Alter Rebbe then wanted to give this this uh, answer to uh, to this boy, which would have been a simple answer. Uh, Moshe was humble, um, and that's why there is a small olive. He would not have. He would not have needed to. Um, he would not have needed to um, to make this whole meditation. It wouldn't be required. He would just be able to immediately tell him uh, the answer. But the Alter Rebbe kind of gave this answer, but he gave this answer with a whole introduction. First, he went into a meditation, into deep thought. First of all, it teaches you that when a little child asks you a question, it's not always a simple answer that you give them just like this. You're going to think what what to answer. Even little children, you want to really think to give them. You have a chance to influence a child, and influencing a child is influencing a person for life. So and here is where he began, and he told them as follows. I'm translating it from the Yiddish. This is from one of the talks of the previous Chabad Rebbe where he related this story. And he said like this, he began his explanation saying like this, Adam HaRishon, which means Adam, the first human being, Adam HaRishon, was the handiwork of God. God created Adam, made him out of clay, made him out of earth. So Adam was designed directly by God's hand. Unlike every human being who comes from father, from a father and a mother, which means ordinary humans are not the direct handiwork of God. Obviously, we're all created in God's image and so on and so forth. And we are descendants of the one that God designed on his own. But, uh, but, but, but Adam is the first, was directly created from God, which made Adam a very, very, very supreme human being. And in addition to that, the Alter Rebbe continues. God testified about it, that his wisdom is outstanding. When the, this, this, and this he was referring to what the sages tell us, that when the angels complained, why are you making such a big deal about the human being? God said to the angels, what do you mean? He's much smarter than you. When they couldn't believe it, how a person made out of flesh and blood, an earth being would be greater than these fiery, sublime spiritual angels. When they were shocked at that. So God says to the angels, let me show it to you. 
And God brought all the creatures in front of the angels and he asked them to name them. And the angels had no clue what to name, how to name the creatures. Then Hashem passed all the creatures in front of Adam, all animals, birds, insects, everything in the world. And Adam had a name for each and every one. And with that, God um, proved to the angels how awesomely intelligent the human being is. So God himself is testifying how, okay, we discussed another time what is so great making up names because it wasn't just made up names. Adam was able to look into the essence of every creature and every being, understand its spiritual makeup, the biology of every creature and every being and name it correctly. But the Hebrew names are the true etymology. They, they express the etymology, the build of each of each creature and each being. So Adam is both the handiwork directly from God, God's craftsmanship. He was exquisitely beautiful. Like we know Adam and Eve, both of them were unbelievable in their in their beauty and their shine and their light. But in addition to that, they were also very, very wise, very intelligent. And um, then he continues and he said, however, Adam knew, Adam knew his own qualities. He had awareness of his greatness. And he became, and he was overtaken by his self, by his self-importance. He recognized how awesome, what an awesome being he was, and he, it got to his, it got to him, how incredible he was. And as a result of that, he stumbled and he sinned in the tree of knowledge. So the tree of knowledge was a consequence of Adam feeling very important in his own eyes. I'm going to talk about that a little later, what, what the relationship is. But this is how the Alter Rebbe says to his, to his grandson. He tells him that Adam Arishon, the first human being, was God's handiwork. Hashem, Hashem testifies to his enormous qualities. And, um, but that he, that he was aware of it. And his awareness of his own qualities was his downfall. He fell, he sinned. Then the Alter Rebbe goes ahead and he, cont- and he contrasts. And he says, Moshe Rabbeinu, on the other hand, also knew of his qualities. Okay? Moshe was also aware of his awesome qualities. And not only, but Moshe was unlike Adam. Not only did Moshe not become, did, did Moshe not allow his knowledge of himself to get to him, but on the contrary, it brought Moshe Rabbeinu to a broken heart. He had a broken heart and a crushed spirit. Why? And he was very lowly in his own eyes. Thinking as follows. How can someone know, be aware of his enormous qualities? We know there was no human being ever to live who can compare to Moshe. And yet with all of that, Moshe knew that, but he felt he had a broken heart and crushed, and he was humble in his own eyes. Why? Moshe was constantly thinking that every, this is the Alter Rebbe's explanation in the, psych, in the psychological, in the mind of Moshe. What is going on in Moshe's mind? He thought as follows. If another Jew who was not the son of Amram, Am, Moshe's father Amram was the leader of the Jewish people, the ginormous tzaddik, Okay. Another Jew who was not the son of Amram, and he was not the seventh generation of Avram Avinu. Moshe is the seventh. 
and not just the seventh. He's the he's like the inner core of the of the genes of Avram because it's like Avram has many children, as we know. But from Avram's children, Isaac is the is the core, not Yishmael. And then from Isaac, from Yitzchak, uh, Yaakov is the core, not Esau. And amongst the Yaakov's uh, Yaakov's children. You know, there's a few very special ones. Yosef is special, Yehuda, but Levi is very special because the Levites were chosen to be the the the, the priests and the the ones officiating in the temple and so on and so on. So Levi represents attachment to God on a very high level. And amongst all the Levites, Amram, you, you know, this was this was the royal line, and and Moshe was seventh. And we know that seven, being the seventh in a line. The seventh is always the holiest, the greatest. Like we know Shabbos is this most special of seven days. Shabbos is the most special. The seventh year, the Shemitah is the holiest of time. The seventh heaven is where God lives whenever Chas Fashalmi has to run away from the world and he goes higher and higher. He goes all the way up to the seventh heaven and the like. Seven is a very, very, very holy number and a very perfect number. So the seventh tzaddik, the son of, of the descendants of Avram, is going to have a spectacular soul. And also being the son of such enormous parents. So Moshe's thinking is like this. If another Jew, every Jew that Moshe would look on the street, who does, who's someone who doesn't have such so much going for him, for him or for her, if they were given the qualities that I had, if they were given my soul, and if they would have so much backing, spiritual positive energy and their backing and their genes from their fathers, from their previous generations, without a question, they would look much, 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 much nicer than I do. In other words, they would utilize these powers and make make do with them or make make something of themselves of and influence the world so much more than what I do. That was his thought process. In other words, he recognized how awesomely great he was, but he thought, what a waste that it was given to someone who is perhaps lazy, not utilizing these powers the way they should. Anybody else would have been given this, they would have done a much better job. This was Moshe's thinking. And this is what the Torah says about Moshe. These are all the words of the Alter Rebbe, and I'm just translating it and giving some commentary. And therefore he said, and this is what God says regarding Moshe, that Moshe was the most humble of all people that are on the earth. To every person, house doesn't make, even the people that are the most simple, people that are very, very simple in their mind, not sophisticated. Moshe Rabbeinu measured himself up with these people, that if these people would possess the godly gifts that were given to Moshe, not what he worked on, Moshe saw all of his qualities as qualities that were given to him. He was served on a silver platter. He was given on a gold platter. All these enormous qualities of his soul. He saw it all as gifts, not as things that he created. Had these gifts been given to someone else, this, this quality of soul and this, and this merit of, 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 of fathers, other people would be much would be much greater and would have done much more with their lives than he did. Okay. So now we have over here a description of Adam who was aware of his powers and let it get to him. Moshe Rabbeinu who was aware of his powers and didn't let it get to him. Quite on the contrary, 
who became heartbroken and felt so insignificant because he felt that he's not utilizing his powers in any way or his talents in any way that he should be utilizing it and other people would do it much better than him. Now the Alter Rebbe continues and he says, there are three sizes in the letters of the Torah. Large letters. So most letters of the Torah, he goes on to say, are average letters. You know why? Because the Torah is looking. The average letters of the Torah is the Torah wants a person in their life to live their lives in the middle. Not being average. You have to be very special. But you have to strive for the middle path. Not too big, not too small. The middle path. There's a middle path of everything. So being well balanced, that's the middle. And when one follows the ways of the Torah, we become a very balanced human being, which is the middle path. Torah keeps away from the extremes. Torah is the center. So it follows through, you know, keeping people very, very balanced. So that's why the letters of the Torah are average letters, not too big, not too small. However, Adam Arishon, the first human being, as a result of him recognizing his own qualities, and as a result of that, as we said earlier, because he recognized and understood his own qualities, he succumbed and sinned in the sin of the tree of knowledge. Therefore, it says, Aleph with a big Aleph. Okay? Moshe Rabbeinu, simply understood, because he had a, a, he had a big a, a, he had a, 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 a he, he was full of self-importance. That's the big olive. He was big in his own mind. Again, I just added those words because the Alter Rebbe doesn't say that. All he's saying, that would be implied from his words. What are you saying again? Let me read it again. So we stick to the words that he actually said. He said, Adam Arishon, which as a result of him recognizing and being aware of his own qualities, um, ended up tripping and falling and sinning in the tr- with the great sin of the tree of knowledge. That's why the Torah says, recounts his name with a big Aleph. Moshe Rabbeinu, which through his work, throughout his, enti- his diligent work through his entire life of humbling himself, recognizing how small he is, humbling himself, this has brought him to the highest levels of humility. That's why it says Vayikra with a smaller. <laughs> so first of all, why am I laughing? Because you realize this is what a three-year-old boy got as a lesson. So this is deep stuff. Deep, deep stuff. But a little, a little boy who was meant to be a the deepest secrets of the Torah that other people don't learn in a lifetime. This is what his father told him, what his grandfather told him. In other words, to simplify all of this, so what's the answer? Why is there a small Aleph in Vayikra? Because Moshe was humble. (laughs) So this is the question the Lubavitcher Rebbe asks. He says, why does the Alter Rebbe have to go into a deep contemplation? His grandson asked him a simple question. It's a small olive. What's the answer? Moshe was humble. That's the whole answer. So there's an olive small. And to add to that, that explanation says already 
in many of the commentators that I just mentioned earlier, the Rosh, the Kliyaka, the Paneach Raza, uh, the Shach on the Torah, a whole bunch of Svarim, a whole bunch of uh, um, um, books that were written before the Alter Rebbe already explained the small Aleph to me because of his humility. If that's the case, why this lengthy explanation? And why? Especially since it seems like from the answer that the Alter Rebbe gave and from this comparison of Moshe to Adam, it's putting Adam in the negative light. You know why? We shouldn't talk in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the negative about any human being, let alone our ancestor Adam. He's been shamed enough throughout all of history. We don't have to increase it by, by, by pouring salt on his wound that he brought, you know, he caused mankind to fall and he sinned and so on and so forth. Everybody remembers about Adam, his sin. Why, why, why do that? Why is it necessary? The boy doesn't even know that it says in, um, you might say, you know, okay, you might wonder, why does it say a big olive somewhere else? The boy didn't even learn that. That's the last part of scripture you're gonna, he's going to learn when he gets older. I don't know, maybe two, three years later. Okay, he was a scholarly kid. He learned a lot. So two, three years later, he was going to be six years old. Maybe he learned all of Navi. He got to the large olive. And then he'll start wondering why over here do we have a big olive? But this boy is not even asking this question. He's perturbed only with the small olive. So answer, Moshe was humble. Why even talk about Adam? And why do we even have to do the comparison between Moshe and Adam? It doesn't seem to add any more to the commentary, which is necessary over here. Right? Um, the other thing we need to understand that when, when, when he actually talks about Moshe's humility and the answer, when we analyze the answer carefully, when we talk about Moshe's humility, he's not just saying that Moshe was humble, but he's giving you a whole lesson to Moshe's humility. He's giving the psychological um, thought process of what made Moshe humble, which is also unnecessary. Yeah, the answer over here, all that we need is that Moshe was humble. Now, not an explanation of how Moshe was humble. Now, you might say that the reason he gave him that whole explanation is because he wanted to avoid the next question. The little boy might ask him, if Moshe was such a great man, how can he possibly be so humble? Especially if we say that Moshe Rabbeinu, not only was he a great man, but he knew he was a great man. Then we have a question. When one is aware of how awesome he or she might be, how special they are, how can they be humble? So then we need to have a whole lesson in humility. How do you, how do you become humble? By recognizing that whatever you have is not that you created your talents. Talents are given to you by God. Every soul is granted other types of talents, and some people have, you know, more impressive talents than others. Did you create yourself? Did you give that to you? No, God gave it to you. So what's to be proud about? You might say, I developed it. Aha. Did, you, did we really develop it? How many of us really develop our ability? We can definitely imagine that if other people would have been given these talents, they might utilize it much more. 
And this was Moshe's motions. But this is the explanation. But why is the explanation over here necessary? Who's even talking about this over here? That this boy needs to get a whole lesson into this, like into all of this reasoning that brought Moshe into his humility. To add to that, in the explanation of how Moshe was humble, there are really two points. The Alter Rebbe in his explanation to his grandson points out two things. Number one, he recognizes that he's not a self-made man. Moshe knew that I didn't make myself. God created me with with this super sensitive soul, with this very, very enormous spiritual capacity. That's number one, and that's enough to be humble. Why should someone be, why should someone be full of, the moment you receive enormous gift, at least for the first moment, you're not, you're not, you're not bragging about it because you know it's a gift. What happens is to most people is you forget that things are gifts. So then we start, you know, thinking that it's ours and we start becoming proud. We, 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 we fall for pride. But the first moment, so Moshe Rabbeinu's, the, 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 the secret of humility is to recognize continuously that everything I have is, is a, is a, is a is a gift, and that is enough. That suffices for humility. But the Alter Rebbe doesn't didn't suffice with that reasoning, and he adds something else that added to Moshe and brought Moshe to feel humble, in which he measured himself up to every single person. He looked at every human being and thought that they are better than him, because whatever you have, you are making more with your life with with the gifts and talents that you have. You might be given much less than I, but look what you've done with what you've had, and look how much more you could have done had you had what I had. So that's an extra meditation. Why was that necessary in this explanation? Why did the Alter Rebbe use both these explanations? Now we got to add one more, one more very important question. According to all of this, it would seem to imply if for whatever reason we understand why he spoke about Adam's big Aleph, why are we even doing a comparison? Why can't we just look at Moshe Rabbeinu on alone? Why do we have to compare it to someone else who was not so humble? For whatever reason that needed to be, we get to the other question, another important question. Is Adam, according to this, the big Aleph in Adam is indicating a flaw, a negativity. Why does Adam have a big Aleph? Because he was big in his own self. And that's why he was wrong. Instead of being small and humble, he had some pride. And that was his bigness. Comes out that the big Aleph of the Torah is a negative. It's, 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 it's a negative trait. It, it, it's not a compliment. Problem is, it's a holy letter in the Torah. And it's big, not in the tabloid. It's not big in some, some kind of newspaper or somebody's writings. It's big in the Torah. If the Torah puts a big letter, it means that the Torah, is, the Torah is giving importance to something. That's why the letter is big. It's bold. When do you bold something? When you're giving Importance. The Torah is a holy Torah, a godly Torah. So a large letter means divine importance, godly importance, godly significance. If it's godly significance, the word Adam must mean a quality that Adam had that made him a superhuman being. That's why he is a big olive, because he was an extraordinary person. 
And the truth is that most of many of the commentators, including the Zohar, explains that the big aleph of the word Adam in Chronicles is not is not God forbid a a uh, a, a a fault is not meant to criticize. It's not meant to sh- indicate something wrong, but it's a compliment. It's an indication of the greatness of Adam. That's why his name is spelled with a big letter. So in the Alter Rebbe, however, he seems to be reading the big Aleph and Adam with this negativity, which doesn't fit with what it would seem that it really is. To make it even stronger, who is the one teaching this? Who is the one talking or who is the one teaching? This was the Alter Rebbe, Reb Shneir Zalman of Liadi, the one that we study his teachings every Thursday night, right? So in his amazing discourses, in this week's Torah portion, he has a discourse opening the words Vayikra El Moshe, and he talks about the little Aleph. He doesn't give the explanation he gave his grandson. He talks about the deeper mystical meaning of the small Aleph. And he refers to the big Aleph in Adam, in the word Adam. But over there he has a whole different explanation, which over there, Adam's big Aleph is very, very large Aleph, is indicating a very high level. The Alter Rebbe says that Adam with a large Aleph is referring to the human being, Adam Arishon, Adam, before he sinned. We know that Adam before his sin was on a very, very, very high spiritual level. No human being ever until Mashiach will attain that level. Even Moshe was not on such a spiritual level like Adam was before he sinned. After Adam sinned, he shrunk physically. His size became much smaller and spiritually he was, he he lost, he lost, you know, his stature. He fell with a crazy fall. The human being had an enormous fall. But Adam before his sin is the greatest human ever to live. Had the highest and deepest connection to God. The highest level. Incredible. On on him we say he's compared to his creator. The word Adam means like. Like his creator. On 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 an incomparable level of greatness. And that's why Moshe has. And and in the words of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe says before his sin. Adam was able to receive directly, he was plugged in, his consciousness was plugged into the Keter, to the infinite light of God, represented by the big Aleph. So the big Aleph of Adam, the word, the Aleph of Adam is not only an Aleph in his name. The Aleph of Adam is where Adam is plugging in, where his consciousness is flowing, where his inspiration is from, coming from, where his enlightenment is coming from. He's experiencing God firsthand, God unmitigated. God, Keter, is the infinite light. That level, that lofty level, the Alter Rebbe explains in that very discourse, is something that Moshe could not even come close to. How do we know that? Last week in the Torah portion, in the end, it says, remember we mentioned it earlier, the cloud was hovering over the Mishkan. That cloud is the level of Keter, the level of the crown. The infinite light 
it's called darkness because when you when it's too bright for you for a person to see it, we become blinded by it. That's why it's called cloud. God shrouds himself in darkness. That's the cloud. And what does it say? Moshe was not able to come into the cloud. Because the lights of Keter, which, in other words, what it's saying over there is something awesome. God came down to dwell here on earth. When God came down, he didn't diminish himself. God came down with all of his infinite light. And it was so bright, it revealed itself as a cloud because we couldn't see its brightness. And Moshe could not enter. It was too much for Moshe. Vayikra el Moshe, God calls to him. It has an aleph. The aleph shrinks. Aleph again is Keter. The level of Keter is the Aleph. But it's a shrunken Aleph means God has to mitigate the Keter light and emanate a ray, a ray of that light. And only a ray, a small little ray of that light was able to extend itself to Moshe and call Moshe Rabbeinu in. So Moshe was brought into the highest, highest levels, but he he needed to first condition himself. The preparation was Hashem took the, from the large Aleph that Adam was able to live and breathe every day and normally comfortably be in that consciousness. Since the human being fell after the sin, Moshe, who is the greatest human being to climb up to the highest peaks of perfection after the sin, couldn't, couldn't in any way come close to that level. God needed to extend a little tiny ray from the big Aleph and give a small aleph, which means it's a little something from that from that transcendental light, and by do, and by shining that to Moshe, he was able to acclimate Moshe Rabbeinu to that level, and Moshe was slowly able to come in to that to that revelation. So we see clearly that the Alter Rebbe himself is not only aware, but he himself teaches that the aleph of Adam is indicating a very high level, an enormous level of holiness. The large Aleph of Adam is indicative of Adam's um, self-importance, which led to his sin. Right? Doesn't seem right. To add, we're saying that Adam's Aleph, large Aleph, leads him to sin. So it's kind of the sinner, Adam as, God forbid, as someone who sinned. And the Alter Rebbe is explaining that what is the Aleph of Adam Adam as he is standing, the level of Adam as he stood prior to sin. That means no sin. So is Adam, is the large Aleph of Adam related to his sin? Or is the large Aleph of Adam related to pre-sin? All of this makes us say that we, 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 we're not really understanding what the Alter Rebbe said. And we need to go much deeper. And this is what he was teaching his grandson. And what was he teaching him? Number one, he wasn't just giving him an answer. He was giving him a life lesson. It's one thing to give an answer. You can give an answer. And we should take opportunities. When children ask us questions, we should take the opportunities not just to give them an answer, but to teach them a lesson. 
the Alter Rebbe was educating his grandson. Even though he was a little boy, he wanted to give him a message for life, how to live his life. And when the Alter Rebbe was talking about Adam Arishon, and he's talking about the large Aleph of Adam, and it is associated with Adam being self-aware of his greatness, the Alter Rebbe is not saying that in a critical manner. That's not in the negative. Because that's not undesirable. It's actually desirable. A person needs to know their greatness. A person needs to know their greatness so that they can have confidence and they can be effective in their life. If we do never, if we don't recognize that we have talents and we have abilities and we don't appreciate and value these talents and these abilities and we think of ourselves as nobodies and nothings, then we're not going to accomplish anything in life. And we're going to waste a life of a soul on earth. There's nothing more prime precious than life. God has invested in each and every one of us. And God has invested in each and every one of us unique talents. Every person in their own way. And a person must value these talents. And if you value these talents, it means you have to value yourself. That you have enormous talents and you have enormous abilities. In that sense, you need to have a big olive. You need to know that you are a very unique individual that can make unique contributions that no other human being can do. And be very proud of these talents that you have. But proud does should not lead to pride. One becomes completely incapable of functioning if they have no esteem of who they are and what they are. We need to have an enormous respect for the for the unique talents and abilities for ourselves that God has created us with. And that's why Adam Arishan had a big Aleph. Adam Arishan, Adam Arishan, which is Adam, is an enormous human being. God created him to lead all of existence to its ultimate perfection. To be the watchman of the garden. To improve the garden, God's garden. To elevate all of existence. No, God did not choose all the other millions and billions of creatures to do that. Not the angels above and not the physical creatures below. They did not have the power to do that. One human being had the power to move all of creation to its ultimate state. Why should that human being not recognize how important he or she is? Of course, and the sages say in some way, every single person, why why was Adam created as an individual, because Hashem did not create millions of people. Hashem created one human being. Because all of the purpose of creation is hinging on one human being. And from here we derive that every person has to say, for me the world was created. That means I have it within me to improve this world and make it perfect in a way that no other human being can do. And I must recognize that and I must appreciate that and I must know that. And that's the big Aleph of Adam. And there is nothing wrong with having that. Not only is it nothing wrong, it is an essential ingredient to life. Holy living and godly living requires an appreciation of self. However, what we are taught is that along with that appreciation of self comes enormous, enormous guardrails. Because that very, very, very important um, 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 this, um, awareness of one's important qualities is also the most dangerous thing that one can have.
because a tiny misstep in that awareness where someone starts seeing themselves better and greater and more and 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 of greater significance than other people and therefore higher than others and looking down at other people over there it can become the most destructive corruptive um, um, of force in the world can turn a person into a monster and the slipping and the slip can be just just one tiny bit off it's similar to the idea that um, when God gave us a holy soul, you take a look in the Torah, you see that God gave us a holy, godly soul, a piece of himself from above. That means that we have cosmic energy, cosmic abilities. We have divine abilities. As a result of that, God had to give us 613 mitzvahs to curtail and to direct and to <laughs> what and to and to and to direct and to restrain two, two hundred uh, 365 prohibitions would have millions of details why a cow has not been given such a such a um such a uh so much instructions any other creature has not been given so much instructions. Angels have not been given so much instructions and so many guardrails. The answer is the more powerful you are, the more you have to watch it, the more you have to guard it. It's the very, very greatness itself that requires an, an enormous amount of watching. So a person has to learn how to be careful when you're driving a car, when you're walking on the street, being that you're not such a force. You don't have to get a license to walk on the street. You're getting into a car, you have to get a license. If you're driving a bus, you have to get a more uh, a more a higher level license. You know, not everybody that has a license to drive a car can drive a, a, a bus, and not everybody that can drive a bus can drive an airplane, because there is so much more responsibility in your hands. All these people, the safety of all these people is in your hands. So the higher the responsibility, the more the so one of the most important things that we have is we have God has given us, gifts us with enormous qualities. And in order for us, for that to be effective, we have to know that we have these qualities because the lack of knowledge of these qualities means that we would never use them. Or we will be intimidated by every obstacle that we have when we think that we have no power. And only when we recognize, no, you're an influential being. You have so much ability. You can change the world. Do we have the confidence and the strength to stand up to people that want to get in our way and not to falter and not to fall by every naysayer or anybody that casts doubts in a person's way. You need to know who you are. But that requires that very, very, very high an important feature in your soul needs to be guarded because it can become the most destructive dark thing. And it has to be countered by enormous humility. And that's where Adam Arishon failed. Adam Arishon was given the highest, highest gifts. Why? Well, he was created directly by God. That's what the Alter Rebbe is saying. God fashioned him. He made him. He was the most perfect human ever to live. He was given wisdom. Adam didn't create his wisdom. God 
created him with unbelievable knowledge. Adam couldn't take credit for that knowledge. And Adam should not have taken credit for that knowledge. Because yesterday he didn't exist. Who created this, 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 this super mind who can look at the rest of the world and know all the secrets about all of existence? Who put in that for information? Did Adam create his own computer? It was God that gave it to him. And that's what he should have realized as soon as he has it. It has nothing to do with me. Where was Adam's sin? Where was his sin? You see, what was the sin of the tree of knowledge? The tree of knowledge was, Adam said, God said, don't eat, eat from all the trees. That's, that tree don't. Adam gets inside information that that tree will enhance his experience enormously. Because he's going to get, he's going to start feeling things in a whole different way. And he's, so, but hold it, but God told you not to do that. So why is Adam giving himself the liberty, Adam and Eve, to try something which God told them explicitly not to do. Because Adam felt that he's important. He felt his importance. He felt, I am the great macher over here. I'm the one who's going to drive. I'm the one who... And this is something that will give me, enhance me in some way. I want to have that. See, the moment he's... At that very, the moment he's stepping out of the notion, I'm here, I'm created, I'm given all these talents, and I'm giving all these abilities, and I have responsibility to utilize these powers in the way my creator has been given them to me for me to improve the world. The moment it stopped being about responsibility, he paused. He's not thinking of responsibility. He's stepping out for a tiny bit and seeing himself as this important being who has a little bit of a say as well. I want, I need, that's outside of your what God gave you responsibility. Here is where, because he was such a great man, he took himself seriously. In other words, he should have immediately said, the second that voice came up, he should have said, who's even talking here? Who's even suggest? who is this that's even thinking that there is some Something else that should be that should be considered. Here you have God's word, and here there is, and I say I do want to eat. Who is this? I say. Yeah, let's think. Let's go into that psyche a minute. How is he already again? There is a clash of 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 wills over here. There's the will of the Creator, and there is another will. Who is the other will? Adam has to now figure out who is the other will. Who is clashing with God's will? Well, it's me. Who are you? I am Adam, the greatest being in the world. Ah, now he's taking all the credit of that greatness, of all those qualities, but it belongs to him. It's not a gift that's given to him to God by God, because if it's God's gift, then only God is to be considered. There's no there's no other there's no other equation over here other than what God wants. Where do you suddenly step out and find yourself as an important decision maker right over here who is now going to make a decision? In this, in that, he's he is allowing the import his self-image, the importance that he has, that he his recognition of himself and of his talents to get to him and make him important on his own outside of his responsibilities.
And what happens then? He falls. Where does that lead him? It leads him to the greatest crash ever. And he plunges humanity into darkness for the next thousands of years. To death, to suffering, to darkness, to pain, to everything that is. All from what? From having qualities, knowing your qualities, and allowing that self-importance. This is what the Alter Rebbe wants to share with his grandson. Now let's stop for a moment and figure something to, uh, and add to this. Adam Arishan was a tzaddik. It was to appreciate and to understand how dangerous and how 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 careful we need to be with self-confidence. Although we cannot live without it, it needs to be so restrained, as we're going to see how we're restrained it in a moment. But when we take a look at Adam, we have to realize Adam is created and he doesn't have evil inclination. He's created in a way where he has no relationship to anything evil because God is creating the human being. And when God creates something, it's perfectly good. There's no evil there. The world around him didn't either have evil because before the sin of tree of knowledge, there was no mixture of good and bad. The world was only good and Adam was good. The environment was perfect and he was perfect. Sin only existed as a very, very distant potential. The snake was a visitor from a different planet. What do I mean by that? The Kabbalists say that evil existed in a complete different sphere, not even in this world. But the snake was allowed to kind of pop in from that underworld that was not part of this reality and have a conversation just to, just to create that possibility. So we're dealing with how Far, far, far and unlikely it is for Adam to be corrupted. Yet we find that because he became important in his own eyes, his self-inflation, his inflated sense of self. In other words, stepping, you, step, taking it just one step further, forgetting that it's a gift that God gave you, seeing your talent as something of significance outside of the recognition that God gave me this talent already caused to a human being who was essentially good without evil inclination and in a world where there is no evil inclination outside of it, yet it caused such damage. Imagine people living like us who we are, have so much embedded negativity, evil inclination, and we're a world that is so much is a mixture of good and bad. How dangerous Self-importance can be. All right? So that's where he's, that's why the lesson is starting from Adam, who was on such a high level, and, and yet he fell with that. But now, the lesson goes much deeper. Just for a few minutes. The lesson goes much deeper. We would think that one. That Adam, before he was on this very, very high level, and he fell because of his self-importance. And Moshe rectified, Moshe rectified, because Moshe had that perfect balance of recognizing who he was and what, and his great talents, 
but didn't forget for one second. He can, and it was work. It was an excruciating work on Moshe's part. Every moment he had to remember that it's not me. It's not me. I was granted a gift from above. All these qualities. He knew his qualities. He stood before Paro and stood there like a, with an iron fist. When he spoke to the Jewish people and they challenged him, he stood there and he said, let the ground open up and swallow those who contest me. Moshe is no, is no pushover. For one second, he knows exactly who, who he's representing and what's his job with the Jewish people. But at the same time, every second in his mind, he's a broken heart. He feels tinier than every person because he knows it's all a gift. Nothing is mine. Nothing is mine. Had this very person that I need to put into the place, had he had my talents, he would have been amazingly an amazing person way beyond me. It's an incredible balance, which Moshe did this rectification. Now, this very high level of Adam and the big Aleph of Adam is related to Adam before the sin, as we mentioned earlier. So, but in truth, in truth, when does the Torah put the Aleph regarding Adam? In Divrei Hayam, in Chronicles, which is the story of, we're writing it about Adam now, not before the sin. Even though it might be referring to Adam before he sinned, but it's still in the Torah currently. And what does that mean? That means as follows. And this is very, very important. Adam, although Adam sinned and fell with this enormous fall that we spoke about before, that's only the the lower side of Adam. That's not the... the higher, deeper, truer Adam. Adam really maintains his enormous greatness even after, even after, even after he sinned. And the proof to that is as follows. God is eternal. When God creates something, when God creates something, God creates his creations are eternal because he's eternal. Especially something that God is directly, the Torah is saying he himself is fashioning it. Since Adam was created directly from Hashem, both his soul and even his body, God can't do evil. There is no evil coming from him. There's a verse that says, negative doesn't come from him. So everything that God creates is good. So Adam's goodness is eternal. Who created Adam? God. Who created Adam? God. God is good. His handiwork is good. God's handiwork is eternal. So God's goodness is eternal. And therefore uncorruptible. Which means that the human being in the perfect good state still exists today. Adam never, ever, ever lost his greatness. It just was concealed from his consciousness. But on a deeper inner true self, what God created cannot be corrupted. 
God is durable. God is lasting. Human machines break. They break. And uh, that's just what happens. You need to find a new machine, a new car, a new whatever. God, when God makes something, it lasts. God is good. He's eternally good. His creations are perfect. And therefore, there's two human beings in Adam. Here is the Adam that is the, the, the new Adam that came about after his sin. And that's the external, we might say, the external um, parts of the external configuration of Adam. Adam as he's experiencing himself, Adam as he has to deal with all the demons that have entered him and all the dark forces and all the bruises and all the broke, let's call it the broken man. There is the broken man in need of repair. But then there is the deeper, higher, inner human that sin can never touch, can never tarnish, can never break. And therefore, it's interesting. In the words of the Altar, the Rebbe learns, if you look carefully in the words of the Altar Rebbe, the Altar Rebbe says, Adam was written, Adam has a big Aleph, the Torah, and he says it right after the words that Adam, because he was self-aware, he sinned, and that's why the Torah gives him a big Aleph. What does that teach you? The, the, the Rebbe says that the Altar Rebbe is hinting to that Adam, even after he sins, his sin is only external, it's not internal. The deeper human being of Adam, the perfect, unbroken uh, Adam, the good Adam, last, lasted forever. How about, is that only to Adam? Now, Adam was the only one created directly by God, and God is eternally good. How about the rest of humanity? Regarding Israel, it says, Atem Kruyim Adam, regarding the souls of the Jewish people. It says, Atem Kruyam Adam, you are called Adam. In that sense, it means that the souls are all taken from Adam's soul. So at least on a soul level, not on a body level. Our bodies come from our parents and so on and so forth. There's a lot of human uh, creation, creativity in our human bodies. Unlike Adam, whose body was directly created by God. Our bodies are not directly, I mean, obviously God created the system and the ability for us to have to procreate and so on and so forth. But our souls, our souls are from Adam. And therefore, in each and every single one of us, we have the, the, the unbroken human being inside of us. And that's the big Aleph that's at the core of our soul, a perfect unbroken soul. Every single one of us can access that unbroken Adam, that unbroken Aleph. When? The moment we become focused in life, the moment we are standing up to our divine calling, each and every one of us has a divine calling, learn Torah, doing mitzvahs, and influencing the world in the unique way that God wants us to influence the world. Notwithstanding all of our hangups, all of our missteps, all of our failures, all of our darknesses, all of our sins, it, notwithstanding all of that, the moment, and every single human being, the moment we decide at this moment, I want to fulfill at this right now, I want to do the godly thing that God is calling me. So what's happening really on a deep level is that you're accessing your unbroken, deeper, inner, core, higher Adam inside of you. 
That Adam is perfect, untarnished. On that level, it doesn't make a difference anything you did yesterday. You're not even Balchuva. See, it's true. You know, when a person sins and then they do tshuva, they're called a Balchuva. On that level, we say, Va'amech kulam tzadikim. Adam before his sin was a tzaddik. Tzaddik means a righteous person, a saintly person. Every single human being has a point within us in which we are tzaddik. And that tzaddik doesn't change. And from that place, we all can have the big olive. Not just that we're great people, but we can also have the awareness that we're great. In other words, no matter where you are in your life, every person can pull forth the big olive, the confidence, a strong sense of importance that without me, there's no reason for the world to exist because I can come and give something right now that God needs and God wants and I can make the contribution and the whole world is waiting for me. Ooh, come on, yesterday you did this and last week you got angry and you threw a fit and you did this and you lost yourself and you did, oh, that doesn't make a difference. All that you, we all need to repair that. We need to go through all those tikkunim and all those rectifications and all the repairs. But that's on our, that's in the level of the broken human. But there is a deeper human. There is a higher human. There is that. And that is accessible. Whatever we, whatever we're focusing in, whenever we're tuning into our purpose and our mission, then the godliest self appears. You know, the Zohar says this week, I'll get, just explain this a little better. The Zohar says this week on the words in Vayikra, it says, V'nefesh ki techta, and a soul that will sin. A soul that will sin. It simply means a person that will sin. But the words of the Torah is V'nefesh, a soul that will sin. So the Zohar says, you, when we read that verse, it, it should not be read as a statement. It should be read as a question. And the Zohar says, the Torah is asking a question. God asks a question and the Torah asks a question. A soul sinned? A soul sinned? What does that mean? There's something so powerful over here. We think that God has a very dark image of us because we've already proven ourselves. Come on, I'm like the known Shlomazel. I know God's not expecting any better. And every time we sin, God, okay, there he goes again. There she goes. I knew it. I knew it. That's God. God is sitting. Sixteen. I know. Or it doesn't even like he's not even paying attention because. No, 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 no. Doesn't work that way. God is in utter shock and surprise every time we do a misdeed. We say the tiny lie. God is like he's blown away. He can't believe it. Why can't he believe it? On this level, because a soul is perfect. A soul can't. And that's why it even says in Tanya, I guess he brings it, I think the origins are from the Zohar, 